Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom Like most women, taught that your period was a burden, something gross to hide and ignore? Have you suffered with pain in your pelvis or womb or held shame around your sexuality? You're not alone, sister. And today I am bringing you the wise woman education you probably never received. This week on the show, I'm talking with two dear friends of mine and FBS community cornerstones medicine women Nancy Lucina and Kristen Hauser. Today is an important day because today we finally launch our long-awaited Blood Mysteries School. You'll get a taste of what the school's all about in our episode today. We'll talk blood rituals, practices, and the knowledge needed to reclaim our female rites of passage that are our Blood Mysteries. The Blood Mystery School is not just another online course. This is a full-on next-level teacher training into the female blood initiations. The Blood Mystery School is an alchemy of the sacred and the science of the seasons of womanhood through the map of the menstrual cycle. You'll gather in high-caliber community, receive transmissions, and learn to share from your deepest well of womb wisdom as you journey deep into the hormonal landscape of your cycle. We start in February. Enrollment is officially open now. So head over to www.bloodmysterieschool.com to join Kristen and Nancy in a life-changing 16 weeks. Enjoy the episode. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so I have my two friends with me today who have both been repeat guests mm-hmm. on the podcast, mm-hmm. Kristen and Nancy. Hi. Hi. So we have a really, really fun uh, paradigm shifting episode today. We're going to be talking about the Blood Mysteries. We're going to be introducing uh, Free Birth Society's newest program, the Blood Mysteries School. Uh, run and created by Nancy and Kristen. So I'm going to just pass it off right away to you both, whoever wants to take it first. What are the blood mysteries and why might they matter? Nancy, you want to go first or you? Sure. Um, I like to think about them in terms of, um, which is really your field of expertise, but traditional Chinese medicine talks about these three golden opportunities. Um, one of them is our first bleed. And then the second one is, is really like postpartum, but it's like birth post slash postpartum. Right. And then the third is menopause. Um, so it's the, it's these opportunities that we have to like really walk through a rite of passage, be totally transformed, hopefully for the better on the other side. And so that's why these blood mysteries matter so much to me is because we are losing currently this opportunity to walk through this rite of passage and be transformed for the better because often what happens is that we're not seen we're not witnessed we're not given the proper tools um we it's sabotaged by the medical system really in all three cases frankly 
And so then instead of that being an experience where we come out on the other side feeling super powerful, we feel diminished. And in some cases, we can even be less healthy, like our health goes down as opposed to going up. Um, so that's sort of the brief, yeah, <laughs> answer to that, I would say for now, if you want to add on. Yeah. So I think I'll, I'll just add that for me, the blood mysteries, it is really about tapping into sort of this long lineage of women that have womb wisdom and, um, really just our own, it's, it's the source of our power, right. Our blood. So because we haven't really been properly integrated into that, like you were saying, Nancy, with a Minarch ritual, whatever that would look like in different cultures, we really are cut off from our own power in a lot of ways. So I think blood mysteries are a way to reclaim that power and pass it on to our sisters, our daughters, and honor our cyclical nature really throughout, you know, menstrual cycles. Yes. But like you were saying, like also throughout a lifetime whether, you know, it's birthing children, going through menopause, like all these rights that we pass through as women. Right. That are unique to us as females on this planet. Exactly. Yeah. Having our first blood, giving birth, postpartum, and then menopause, losing our blood. So, so I'm thinking about Jane Harvard Collins and her, um, all of her wisdom and that she shared with me on a podcast from a recent season um, about no matter what women are going through these rites of passage, regardless of how they're tended to. And so I think that's really quite impactful to, to consider that we all did go through these rites of passage. Uh, for those of us who are already mothers, we've gone through, um, we've gone through uh, receiving our first or having our first blood, obviously, and then giving birth and whatever happens in that initiation is what then teaches us how to be in this next phase of society, right? Which, so it's not just that we don't have rites of passage, passage, it's actually worse than that. We do have them and they are rooted in disempowering us, harming us, silencing us, and like you said, taking away our power. So I'd like to, to stay there for a second, just to frame this for anyone who this might be a new concept, um, where have we been? What do you know about how the blood mysteries are treated um, in, in current history? What, what are you both familiar with and, and the results of that uh, in your work and, and as women? I mean, I remember for myself when I learned the things that I now pass on and teach around the archetypes, what stood out to me the most was why was I never taught that I am really a cyclical being and that, for example, my productivity is not like a daily thing. You know what I mean? That I don't need to be like on every single day, like because that's that's the world that's set up for us now is run off of the male hormonal system, which is more like 24 hours. And so that I feel like that was the piece that I got like the most upset about was wow, I could be, I could have been structuring my life around my cycles for like over a decade. And I missed out on all that. And instead I was trying to fit my circle inside of a square, you know? So I would say, yeah, currently there's no, there's not much room for women, for young girls to be that circle that they are. Well, I can speak a little bit to like just my own experience. And I mean, the initiation, it often comes with some type of shame um, confusion, lack of trust in your own body's processes. And, um, yeah, it's just like when I got my first bleed, I remember feeling internal excitement, but that wasn't reflected to me externally. Right. Mm -hmm. I felt like this was a big thing. Um, it seemed like it was like, I was fascinated by it, but externally it was kind of just like, oh, now it's like, here's a pad and you know, you just do your normal life. And now you have this thing that you have to like manage, mm -hmm. um, and hide in a way, because you can't really, you know, I was in public school and it's like, you need to be discreet about like going to the bathroom to change your pad and it, mm -hmm. or whatever. And then I thought like, okay, well I'll just like 
start using tampons right away because that seems like a, the cooler, better option. But I didn't know any better that it's like actually not ideal. And it's like has loads of chemicals a lot of times and you shouldn't really impede your flow. Mm-hmm. So there's just so many layers of it. It's like, and then if you consider like this, the layer of sexual and body shame that comes into play for a lot of women and girls, just not having someone sit down and be like, this is what happens each month, whether it's understanding through an energetic cycle or really understanding also hormonally, like what's going on and why it might not be a good idea to opt for hormonal birth control at 15 or mm-hmm. even at 20. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's so many layers to that as to how women and girls are coming through that rite of passage and it imprints so deeply inside yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the core, like such a core place for us as women. And it's really takes some time to unlearn these patterns and reclaim the wisdom, the innate body wisdom that is already there for you. Yeah. You said it perfectly. I think the word imprint is so important in this context, because like Emily was saying, it's not like we don't have the rites of passages. They're there because they are in embedded in our physiology. So we're going through them without the support and in in a way like, yeah, outside forces are even trying to harm us during those key periods. And so that gets imprinted, that becomes your norm. But there's always like this something inside that says like, this isn't right, I think. Just like something inside for you, cause I had the same said, this is so exciting. This is so magical. I'm on, like, there was a deep knowing of I am on the precipice of magic and then getting on the other side being like, okay, I'm on the other side. Like, well, why isn't anybody else talking about the magic or like, I don't know, you know, there's that huge missing net to catch you as you make it over to the other side of the wise women to hold you and walk you through. How was it handled? What was the imprinting for you, Nancy, in your, in your first blood? Well, I would say mine wasn't so like intensely bad because my mom talked to me a lot about my body and about sexuality. And my mom was always encouraging me to like look in a mirror at my yoni, you know, just just simple stuff like that. Um, So I was really one of the last girls in my class to start. And I was like, when am I going to get my period? You know, I was so excited about it. Um, But I think that was the most disappointing thing is that it wasn't, I think my mom and I had a talk and, you know, she kind of welcomed me, like she was sweet about it, but it wasn't really more than that. Like, I think, yeah, there was something inside that didn't get matched, if that makes sense, you know, um, that internal excitement. Totally. I mean, I think that it is largely, the message is largely that it's unimportant. Mm Mm-hmm. or it's annoying or it's a problem. And I can sure for for sure say that one of my big imprints was um, it's just like any other day. Mm -hmm. You need to still go to school and here's a Tylenol. Whether it was from the nurse or my mom or whoever, like this is just what you do. You get you push push through it. On that horse, right? Remember all the Tampax commercials? She's like all white on a horse. <laughs> or all the swimming, yeah. Right. Oh God, yeah, totally. It's funny, you know, the messaging that now exists because there's the period period panties, um, and I just saw an advertisement literally today for a talk uh, for teen period panties for teens, so that you can do anything all the time on your period. Like, you know, the message was like, you just keep going and doing all the things. So yeah, it's basically the same, but with kind of maybe more comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Underwear. Yeah. Depending on what you're trying to do, I guess. True. Yeah. <laughs> it's really sad because even the the reasonable, the decent initiations are still, they still got it all wrong. Right? Mm-hmm. What about you, Kristen? So mine, um, mine was just marked with a lot of loss actually. So I started, I think I was around 13 and then my parents separated shortly after that. And like, I lost my grandma. Um, mm-hmm. so I feel like that imprinted on me was like some deep emotional trauma in my womb space. 
and it sort of started manifesting physically, even as early as high school years, I was having like severe pain and that's sort of what initiated me onto the path that I'm on now. So while I'm, I'm grateful for that, but at the same time, of course, that was just like a lot to manage as a teenage girl. Like I didn't have a strong relationship with my mother at that time. So, and I was living with my dad and I have two brothers that are both younger than me. So I was kind of just like doing it on my own sort of feeling, um, not having a lot of mentorship or wisdom or, you know, someone to sort of, sort of guide me in that process. And I think a lot of women experience that. Right. I was going to say, that's how women feel about mothering. That's how women feel about menopause. That's how women feel about tending to their parents who are on the verge of death. I mean, it's just this ongoing reoccurring theme of women and girls feeling totally uncelebrated, unseen, unheld. Mm -hmm. And the cost of it spiritually, physically, psychologically is so alarmingly obvious. It's almost hard to articulate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it is the continuum, you know, so how we are initiated into our blood and how our mothers talk about their bodies in front of us and then our bodies, you know, and then we bleed. Are you going to be placed on a table and examined while you're uncomfortable when you're 13, 14, like so many women I know, and it primes us all to then be good girls when we get pregnant and go in and let the OBs assault us and Mm -hmm. have them tell us what to do. And, and on and on it goes. Right. And then we train our little daughters to do the same thing. And, and it's so, it's so striking how, how, this cycle has continued on for quite some time by really good people, you Mm -hmm. know, like good women, not like evil out to get their daughters, women, not not at all. Right. It sounds like all of our mothers were really trying their best and were trying to figure it out and doing what they had. I'm also really thinking about the, the uh, influence of religion and Obviously that's massive. And again, one of those things that's like so big, it's almost hard to articulate, you know, for me growing up in a Christian home, going to Catholic school that came with a certain set of, um, you know, off limits, um, even just the awareness that blood was dirty was so obvious uh, in my school, not even in my own home, but just being in the environment of Christianity Um, the messaging as a child was so obvious that I was a little bit less than when Mm -hmm. I was a little bit gross and I was a little bit, um, I was a little bit, uh, yeah, meant to be, uh, what's the word like restricted or kept back, you know, Mm -hmm. I felt that a lot too, growing up in like a Christian home. And I think it, it really played a role in, because for me, like the blood mysteries and the menstrual cycle is a spiritual practice. It's like the foundation of feminine spirituality from my point of view. So reclaiming that has just been a very healing process in on my spiritual path too, because I did grow up in a more, and it wasn't even that conservative necessarily or fundamentalist, but it was still the undertone was there that I was clearly not a man. And (laughs) that meant that, that, you know, I had the curse of childbirth or, you know, there's really that belief like that because I'm a woman, I did something bad and now I have to deal with these things. And I really internalized that from a young age and probably ancestrally as well. So there's a lot of different layers there. So dark. Okay. So I hope everyone listening is thinking on their first blood story and You know, if you are out there and you're thinking about your first blood and you've never shared the story, um, find a friend, you know, find a woman friend to exchange stories with Um, all three of us, you know, doing this episode today, all um, lead Menarch reclamation ceremonies, which are so, so, so special. And um, you two should talk about that um, in a little bit. Um, And I just wanted to mention here before we move on that you might discover that you don't remember it and that's not I was gonna say yeah Yeah. and so if you don't remember it 
uh, or maybe I'll pass it to you, Nancy. What would you say to someone going, I totally am drawing a blank? Uh, art is what I turn to in that case. Grab something to draw or paint with, even if it's simple, a few colored pencils or whatever you want to use. Watercolor is great, actually. But whatever you have and and just like meditate with that question and then see what arises. Because, yeah, I frankly, like, didn't remember all the details. I had to reach out to my mom to gather a little bit more of my own story. So it is very common that you don't remember. Um, But I find that when women work with the art in that way, they can, like, step back from it and, like, try to let your mind go when you're in that process of pulling up details and just express through the drawing, even if the drawing makes no sense, and then later look at it. and you'll find some threads usually of memory of like, oh, or at least of emotionality, you know, like some emotion that's there for you, something. Um, so that's a really beautiful way to, and a lot of women are moved to tears when they do that process because it can bring up some repressed stuff. Because whatever it is, it is your story and it's yours to work with. It's yours to own, hold, heal, speak, share, process. You know, it's, to, to get a, um, you know, same, of course, with birth trauma, and it's something that, you know, obviously is rampant around the world, um, but we have to find the path to come into relationship with these stories if we're going to do anything about it and if we're going to write anything different for our daughters. So that being said, I'd like to return to what you had brought up, Kristen, about your menstrual cycle being a spiritual practice, I think, mm-hmm. for a lot of women that's going to resonate and also maybe not be super clear yet what that means. So yeah, would you flesh that out? What does that mean? And what does that look like? And what does that look like in your day to day? Yeah. I mean, I think the baseline is just like, um, starting to understand, right. That female physiology is distinct and part of that includes this hormonal cycle. And if you can start to, you know, I teach a lot about hormones and hormonal resilience and hormonal intelligence, but what I, what, what I want to convey with that work is like, really it's an internal process. You don't necessarily, it's helpful to have a framework. Yes. But you can start to tune into how you actually feel inside yourself at different times of your cycle and gather so much wisdom, information, um, self-trust, self-compassion, and learn how to work with yourself and work with your body and gain so much through the different seasons of the cycle, because we're not the same every day. Um, and we are influenced by this hormonal matrix that we're living through. Right. So for me and like my own practice, that just looks like honoring where I'm at and in my cycle and knowing that at certain times of my cycle, I'm going to have more aptitude for something than I would compared to at other times of the cycle. So I may plan something that's more extroverted or out in the world around ovulation. And then during my menstrual time, like when I'm actively bleeding and now as a mother, that phase of my cycle is like very home focused. Like I'm tending my kids, I'm tending myself, like I'm really enjoying just being and as much as I can, of course, like I have obligations and sometimes it's more of an internal mindset shift of how I approach my life that those few days or those three, five days, whatever it's going to be. Um, and just honoring the bleeding process, using my blood to replenish the plants in my home or use it in ceremony or ritual in another way. Um, those are some of the small things that I kind of, that are coming up right now to speaking to it, but it's also one of my favorite phases of the cycle is actually the premenstrual time, like the luteal phase. It gets like such a bad rap around like PMS and all of that. But for me, it's like, this is the phase where I sort of have like a, a better vision of my life or of where I'm at. And I can be like, okay, this is working. This isn't working. This is kind of where I need to go next. And so it's less about doing things externally, but it is more about like this internal organization process that's happening mentally, physically, spiritually, 
um, even sexually in some regards. So the more I've like learned about the cycle and just like allowed myself to be immersed in it, it's just, there's so much there that you don't necessarily need to be taught because it's already within you. Right. You're literally living it. Yeah. It's like, you don't need, you don't need a spiritual teacher. Those can be great. And of course I've had spiritual teachers and the feminine path can be different. Mm -hmm. It can be a different embodiment. What I find just really fascinating and like somewhat amusing is that there's so many paths that exist for the masculine, for the males. Um, when you start to dive into the world of spiritual practices that are very extreme, um, like here they have the sun dance where they tie, like they, they hook their themselves hooks into their chest and tie themselves to a tree and like dance around it and in the sun don't eat. And it's great. Like it's a great thing for them. And my thing is like, women don't need those extremes to go into those altered states that those experience give, you know, to the men, because we literally die and are reborn every single month, every single cycle. That's what, for me, the menstruation is. It's that, that chance to really like, let go, let myself dissolve and then come back and be reborn when I start my next cycle. So, um, Let's see the seasons and the the archetypes. I I like to talk about it from the perspective of the archetypes, um, meaning like you are four women, like in one woman. You know, you pass through these very specific phases throughout the cycle, and we've all well, not all maybe, but most of us have heard of the triple goddess, which is the maiden mother crone. But there's a third one in between there that's missing. Um, And she has many different names. Uh, Kristen and I are calling her the sorceress. So we have the maiden, mother, sorceress, and crone. And these are the four different phases. Um, Each of these archetypes correspond to the phases of the moon. And they also correspond to the seasons. And each of these phases is either more internally focused or more externally focused, depending on where you are. So if we start with the the first one, like technically when you when you start counting your cycle, it's day one and that's the first day that you bleed. But when I speak about the archetypes, I start with maiden, which is the woman inside of you that emerges when you're closing out your bleeding period. And so it's the spring energy, it's the fresh new life energy, it's the waxing moon. So in between um, new and full, not quite full yet, but like gaining that momentum to to start to come out of your your cave and your shell and express yourself in new ways, maybe start new projects or perhaps pick up old projects from the last month that you put down for a little bit when you began to bleed. Um, So she's that that young woman inside of us that's full of life and um, creativity and wants to, yeah, get out in the world and do stuff. I often talk about her in terms of sort of the way that I felt when I graduated high school. And I was like, I'm going to move to New York and be a famous actress, you know? (laughs) And I just, nothing could stop me. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what I was going to do. And I didn't do that, but that's okay. I did move to New York. (laughs) I did study acting for a bit, but yeah. So anyway, the point is like, there is a little bit of naivete there. So there's always, I feel like a shadow side and a light side to work with. Yeah. With these um, archetypes. And then of course, we can track these archetypes as well throughout our larger life cycles. Um, you know, if we're blessed enough to make it into old age, we will pass through all four of these and die as a crone. Um, so that maiden is obviously that young, young part of ourselves that's, um, you know, bright eyed and ready to take on the world. And so my the way that I work with my cycle in terms of my spiritual practice is to really study these women inside of me and fully, fully allow myself to be them. You know, when the moment is there for me to be the maiden, I harness that energy as much as I can. So that looks like, like I said before, like starting some new projects, you know, or maybe picking up um, on some old ones that I sat down, uh, laid down, you know, while I bled. Um, The maiden has a lot of patience for 
organizing things in a detailed way. Like, so if I'm going to work on a spreadsheet or something like that, I like choose to do it during that phase of my cycle. Um, then we move over to the mother, which is the period of ovulation. Roughly speaking, each of these is around a week that you're going to experience them, but it's not like this hard line, you know, where obviously, and, and each woman has to feel into how that ebb and flow is for her. Um, but eventually you'll feel moving from the maiden, this pull into the mother, which is when you'll, you know, really notice it in your body because you literally are juicier um, and that can translate into all other areas of your life. Um, this is the another externally focused archetype and it's when you have a lot more energy, you typically speaking, to pour into anything that needs attention in your life. Um, I find myself around this period very tuned into subtle energies in a different way than I am during menstruation. It's like a, it's like a cosmic force that can sort of, I can meld with, you know, it's like a very light energy, like a solar kind of energy um, where I'm able to really receive so many ideas. This is an awesome time to write down all of your ideas because again, we have these shadow sides of, the, of each archetype. So I would say one of hers is I can do all of this, you know, you get like 20 ideas in one or two days and you're like, yes, 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 yes. And so being aware um, to not overcommit yourself in that period of the mother, because in a week and then in two weeks, you're going to be in totally different phases, you know, and you're not going to be maybe wanting to do the same thing. So this is a great time, though, to like write down all those ideas, maybe return to them later, but like make sure you really pour your energy your life force into something that's really important to you during that month. Because what happens later when we move to the next phase is that we can go through a grieving period if we didn't properly harness that energy. And so that's like, I just find that it to be the most satisfying um, spiritual path in that way when I just learn to harness the energy at each phase. And so moving from the mother, we go to um, the sorceress. She has many names. Some people call her the Maga, the wild woman. She's definitely the most misunderstood and I would say the most hidden archetype. Um, and it was interesting to hear Kristen speak on like, I love that part of my cycle. It's actually when, you know, so much internal stuff happens for me and I agree, but it took me years to get there <laughs> to work with her because her energy is very fierce. She is our inner critic. And so what she does is she, she comes in to really slash away all that is no longer serving you. And sometimes if you're not expecting her she can kind of knock you off of your feet you know and suddenly what was very shiny some days ago in your mind's eye of like wow you know because a lot of positivity can rise during your ovulation period um wow my life's going so well my work my family my home's so beautiful and then you switch over to sorceress and it's like what the fuck did he say to me? You know, um, God, I'm going to kill him. Like he didn't do this, whatever with your partner, for example, or, oh, my, my work is, oh, what was I thinking? Like, I'm so bad at this. I can't do this. I'm not up for this. All these doubts can come up. So I like to say that the sorceress helps you to learn all the areas in which you aren't fully loving yourself yet. And like, she really points those out at you. So it's that opportunity to, yeah, increase your self-love and also um, make sure that your arrow is focused in the direction where you actually want to go. That's kind of what Kristen was saying, like this internal organization, like, is this actually working for me? What mm -hmm. would be a bit better? And so that the gift of the inner critic is that, um, yeah, straightening the arrow just a little bit more, you know? Um, so she's someone I like to work with when she comes along in my life. Um, creatively but in a different way like maybe with maiden and mother i'm putting my creations really out there into the world whereas with sorceress maybe it's a creation just for myself maybe it's a journal piece or an art piece or a song you know or i get up and like put on a few songs and i do some ecstatic dancing to just like move that energy because i think there's a grief that can come up for women during this part of the cycle that's actually just very primal 
around not getting pregnant. So like, even if you know you don't want to get pregnant and there's a million reasons to not get pregnant, your body on a primal level, I think is often wanting that egg to be fertilized, you know? And so there's a grief that can kind of come out of nowhere for women. Um, but once you learn to recognize that grief coming up, when you move over to the sorceress, you can channel that. And that, that becomes really cool pieces of writing or pieces of art that are more like truth telling, you know, cutting through the bullshit. Um, so it's an opportunity to really, um, learn to, to, to speak from deep within the womb, that, that real truth. And then finally, well, and I should just pause there in our larger life cycles, she represents menopause. So she's that in-between phase of like, I'm not bleeding anymore, but I'm not yet quite crone. And there's so much power to be harnessed there. And I just find it interesting. And of course it makes so much sense that she's so hidden in our community because and I find forgotten. and forgotten because supposedly there's this phrase, um, that said that comes from a native american i'm not sure exactly where this was just given to me and i i'm sorry i can't say exactly where it's from but i think it's really beautiful because it says like when you begin to bleed you meet your power when you are bleeding all the years are bleeding you practice your power and when you stop bleeding you become your power so that's interesting that she's the most hidden archetype when that's the period where we're really like wow, I know what I want in my life. I'm here to lead. I'm here to be a leader in my community. You know, I think that's really what the sorceress has to offer us um, in terms of our larger life cycle. So then from her, we move on to crone. And that is when, and some, some women start to feel crone kind of bubbling up even a couple of days before they bleed. And it's a, sh a shift into like, Boom, like lower energy feet down on the earth like Kristen was saying I just want to be home um, it's very internal it's a period of deep deep rest ideally um, because it is that time where you are going to die and be reborn so there's this separation that happens from all the external stuff happening in life and you kind of pull yourself inward and even if you don't even if you aren't actively doing that and following this cycle, I think there's still this part of you that like does that. And so the conflict happens when we're making ourselves get out, get out in the world, pretend like it's just any other day, get back on our feet, you know, fill the to-do list with a thousand things. There's this internal struggle that's happening because every part of us is screaming to just rest. And the magic happens when we are able to rest because it is, the part of the period where, or the cycle where um, the veil is so thin and you have so much access to spiritual ener energy, spiritual wisdom, deep, deep, deep knowing. Um, yeah, it's just really, really, really special. And, and brainwave states that are not normally so easy to access when we're so externally focused in the world. So this is when we can get down into theta and delta where uh, we, we the normal world kind of drops away the normal to do's drop away and we can go deep within to access spaces of healing um so yeah i mean i could say a lot more about the crone but you know there's so many different ways in which we can honor her um one of the practices we shared in our our ebook is um to offer your blood to the earth to offer it to some kind of plant, even if even if you live in an apartment and it's just your house plant, that act of touching your blood is such a reclamation right there. Because like what we were saying earlier, there's this imprint that often happens during our first bleed where it's dirty or you're supposed to hide it or just roll it up in the pad and throw it away or take out the tampon and throw it away. Like you don't even ever really deal with it. So I love the act of touching my blood putting it into some kind of receptacle to then water and like do a whole prayer around that of what I'm releasing back to the earth, what I'm calling in for my next cycle. Logistical question. <laughs> Does that mean you're using a cup? I actually don't use cups anymore. So yeah, me neither. So what, what I do is I have a bucket and I use cloth pads and then what I do on my first two days, which is my heaviest days, because then after that, it's pretty light for me. I um, go in the sink and like 
have the bucket there and rinse out the pad as I'm oh, wringing okay. it out. Yeah. So it's like a mix of water and blood. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. what I do too. Is mm-hmm. some very similar. Like I use period panties or mm-hmm. pads and then like just soak them in some water and kind of rinse them out in there. And then that's, I mean, it's water and blood essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the plants like it. Yes. Mm-hmm. They love it. Like the, our blood is magic. It's literally what was going to become a baby. I mean, it's life force Elixir. magic, you know, yeah. Yeah. Life force magic. <laughs> I mean, some women, like you can also use it on your face. Like menstrual blood has stem cells in it, which are like super regenerative. So there's lots of different ways blood to facials. work with it. Yeah, totally. Family face masks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put a that. dot on your third eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Anything you want to add, Kristen, around maybe piggybacking with the seasons, just mm-hmm. that those got get placed here? Yeah. So um, the maiden or the follicular phase would be associated with spring. And it just, it's like the time where, you know, the growth is happening, like literally the follicle that's going to become the egg that is released is going through this massive growth process. And that follicle is what releases estradiol into your system and like makes you feel more juicy and changes the way your brain functions, which Nancy kind of touched on. And then you move into, um, the summer season or the ovulatory phase, um, the mother archetype. And that is, you know, big expression, right? Just as we would be in our summer, in the summer season, you're more out in the world. There's, um, more access to sunlight literally so it's just a more yang phase of the cycle it's the most yang phase um and then you move from there right into the fall and that's the season of the sorceress and the premenstrual time or the luteal phase so the luteal phase is just uh, it's the long typically the longer phase of the cycle for most of us of course there's a lot of variations of normal there but that's just after ovulation until your next flow, right? So the premenstrual time is part of the luteal phase, but it's usually like the week before your flow actually. So, but I kind of consider that whole phase, depending on how you linger in the ovulatory phase or the summer season, then you shift into that more fall season with the rise in progesterone, which is like a very um, calming hormone for most women. It promotes sleep. It promotes relaxation. We're in a serious kind of cultural moment where we are lacking this hormone. Many women like have progesterone issues, deficiency, their luteal phase isn't long enough. You hear like, you know, luteal phase defect, just like all these, these issues with progesterone production. A lot of that has to do with what's happening in the first part of the cycle and also just stress, like stress sort of depletes our progesterone and just how we're managing our energy throughout the cycle can really play a role on that fall phase and how the sorceress is like able to show up at that during that time. And then from the fall, you move into the winter and that's the season of menstruation. So that's when you're you know, actively bleeding. It's the most internal time. It's the most, um, the season of rest. And it's like in Chinese medicine, it's the time where your energy goes inward to your kidneys. So you can be restored for the next spring. And it's similar in, in the cycle actually, because your the kidney organ sort of manages your reproductive life or directs your reproductive life. So having a regular cycle really depends on being renewed during that bleeding time. So if you're not, you know, resting during that time and you're sort of overextending yourself, that sort of depletes the energy of your kidneys and then affects all the other phases that come after that. Right. So it's like, oh, then you might not have like the best spring and then the harvest isn't great in the the end of the summer and the beginning of the fall. So Yeah, there's a lot of ways that what Nancy was saying, like ties into our actual hormonal physiology, Mm -hmm. which is where it gets really interesting in how our hormones are interfacing with our brain and, and really shape the way our brain functions at different points of the cycle. 
And this is again, where it's like, we can get really into the sort of um, hormonal intelligence and the physiology of it. And what's most important is just being in the practice of it, because then you're going to start to put it together. I mean, for myself, like I remember before I knew I was pregnant, but I was pregnant and I just felt like this increase in progesterone. And I knew what progesterone felt like because I had had a relationship with that phase of my cycle. And then I was like, wow, I'm just like floating in this progesterone, like relaxed space. Like, I don't care about anything. Like, and that's kind of my first hint of like, oh, you're probably pregnant because you're getting an even more progesterone than you normally do. So I think, you know, when you start to get into those more subtle inner relationships, there's just so much there. And for me, that was definitely what sort of led me to having a free birth and like birthing at home. And because it's like, well, no, I know what's happening inside. So what else is there really? So I think, yeah, it's like, that is really what allowed me to claim that, you know, at a later phase in my life. Cause I went through a lot to get to that point, I guess, but yeah. It's making me think about, there's a quote that's something along the lines of everyone wants to change the world, but no one wants to clean up their own backyard. Mm-hmm. That's not a quote. I just combined two different quotes. Something like that. You get the vibe of what I'm saying. And it, it makes me think of that. Like if we, it's been on my mind a lot this week of just clean up my own backyard, clean up yeah. my own room, so to speak, you know, my own internal universe. Um, and that that really is the most sustainable way to make the shifts that, that I ache to see on this planet. And your program is such a good example of the roadmap that's possible to be mentored by women who've done this work, who've been doing this work for so long. You know, even just you, you saying that you could feel the subtleties of progesterone because of your relationship and your, your inner awareness of that. I mean, that's, that's like groundbreaking. That's a really, not just cool, but like, this is not the right word, but like healthy, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like ability that, that is it, you know, I think for most women are going to hear that and be like, what are you talking about? Right. Even though we're all psychic beings, we all are, you know, deeply intuitive beings. And yet generation upon generation upon generation of outsourcing our female power has led us to, um, this kind of void and and what's exciting about this work like you've already named Kristen is you are the living universe of this work each and every one of us and so teachers are helpful mentors are helpful blueprints are helpful because there is this kind of um, awkwardness to Mm -hmm. relearn it Uh, Mm -hmm. but it can actually happen very very quickly since we are it Um, so so yeah I'm wondering if you know, both I noticed, so there's, there's two different places I could think of to go and I'll just pass it to you both of of what you want to do. Um, if you wanted to touch on the hormonal stuff anymore, I feel like that would be an, an obvious, interesting place to go. Or if that feels good for now, um, both when you both named rest in the crone season in the winter season that definitely sparked something both times you named it around you know kind of the obvious that no one wants to rest no one knows how to rest women don't know how to rest mothers don't know how to rest we feel guilty about resting it's so linked to productivity and and caretaking and this never-ending list of things and and the balance of of all of that and the headiness of that and yeah I'm having the thought like how do you rest like, what does that look like? And, and I wonder if both of you could share some wisdom on how you got willing to contend with this particular season of, of our monthly cycles, because it kind of feels like the obvious one that doesn't fit in society. And I know you're obviously both mothers of, of multiple children. So how did you figure that one out? Teach me everything you know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, for me, what happened was just, it was my body actually just demanded it. There wasn't, it wasn't really like a negotiation, um, because I had such intense pain for so many years at the beginning of my flow. I mean, I just had to rest. And so then when I started to 
heal that physical side of things, um, it just became clear that that sort of trajectory of resting during flow was going to continue to be like a route for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has to come from an internal place of how you relate to resting, because there are times where I'm on day two or three of my flow. And like, I still need to take care of my children and, and do certain things. However, it's my orientation is always, how can I do this with as little effort as possible? And what can I change that my expectations of myself are less internally, right? So of course there's the physical act of of literally lying down and resting, reading a book, listening to music, whatever that looks like for you. But I think what's actually more important is like that you're allowing your mind to sort of fade into the background a little bit more and just be more present in what's happening in your body system, because that's what allows your energy to descend into the pelvis, into the womb, and actually have that full release of blood that's needed Mm -hmm. because we have, I mean, we're a mentally obsessed culture. So a lot, and you know, it's like, we spend a lot of time up here and just to have that practice of dropping down and in ideally every day at some point, right? But the cycle already provides you a unique framework to do it, to just say, okay, this is my practice right now. And start with what you can do, what feels like possible. So that if that means the first day of your flow, that evening you finish work or you finish your other obligations, and then you go to bed super early or you take a bath and you have some special time for yourself, then that's where you need to start. If you, it feels possible to rest that entire day and prepare food ahead of time. So you don't have to cook that day and have some nice herbal infusions ready, then you can do that. Right. But if that feels like you can't commit to that, or that's already, you know, past your capacity, then set yourself up so that you can actually feel the benefit of doing it and build that trust in yourself that you're able to do it because that is a big literally move slower literally yeah i'm gonna try that on (laughs) i like that nancy do you want to add anything else yeah i mean this is such an amazing like i love this topic it's so deep we could talk forever about this um, a couple of things that are coming up for me, two main things. One, I'm a lover of altered states of consciousness. I search them out. I work to create them for other people. Um, it's where I go to access wisdom. It's when I need a question, I don't think about it. I get myself into an altered state of consciousness. And so when I learned that I could do that, just simply by resting when I'm bleeding, I was like, sign me up. I want to do this. You know, this sounds super cool. Like my own little ceremony, you know, (laughs) every time I bleed. Um, so that was a huge doorway for me because that's what my personality resonated with. Um, also like you were saying, I didn't have the physical, like I've always had a relatively enjoyable with certain things that come and go issues, but I didn't have that like demand for rest, but there was like an internal longing. Like as soon as I learned about the seasons and the archetypes, it was like a permission slip. I know that sounds kind of lame. We don't need permission to do this, but it what? It was like a, oh, I can do the thing that I've always been like intuitively wanting to do anyway, starting from when I was 14 and I got my period. I did not want to go to school. I didn't want to go to gym class, you know, <laughs> to cheerleading class. Yes, I was actually a cheerleader. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, hilarious. Anyway, so you know what I'm saying? There was this, like you were saying, this internal movement that, yeah, wanted that. Um, this is the thing. And this is the thing with postpartum too. It's so challenging to be in right relationship with these phases um, of our cycle and with these parts of our lives, like postpartum, where we really should be resting without community. 
that's just the reality of it. Like we, we need to somehow create a little bit of a red tent for ourselves. And so honestly, this is what it looked like for me. Like as soon as I met my husband, I'm not kidding you guys, like within one week of knowing him, I was like, all right, so here's the deal. When I'm on my period, <laughs> I don't want to do anything for the first day, like ideally the first two days. And if you, if you come into my space, I want you to be serving me. Like, I want you to be either rubbing my feet or giving me a cup of tea or taking something off of my plate, you know? Are you good with that? <laughs> and there was like a serious conversation on, he's like, okay. And I taught him all about it. And so he is part of my community that I lean on when I'm bleeding. I also have nannies, uh, which funny enough, like lately I've been only bleeding on the weekend and they don't work. Like I don't have a nanny that works on the weekend. So I'm like, ah, you know? So then it's like, okay, well, Brandon, what can you do for me? Can you take the boys out for a couple of hours? So I at least get that little bit of time. Like Kristen was saying, I love to take a bath when I'm bleeding. So I try to do that. And it's just exactly like she said, taking the expectation off to do anything else but what you absolutely have to do. And so how does that look when mothering? It's hard, but it's like laying down when you're nursing, you know, mm -hmm. instead of standing up. That's what it means. It means really getting to know your cycle and being prepared as much as you can, knowing that you're going to go into winter, knowing that you're going to go into crone. So you have a um, thing of soup in the freezer that you can pop out. So you don't have to deal with food, you know, just those simple things, taking as much off of your plate as you can. It means saying no to social things. I don't want to hang out with people. I don't want to have a lot of conversations. I don't want to go out to a restaurant and eat really rich food. Like it's just not, you know, so it's like staying close to home and taking as much as we can off our plates. And it's hard to rest during crone mothering if you don't have the community intact. So that's, I feel like that's where our work is. Our generation who is starting to really get into right relationship with these things, then the next work I think we do, it's like first the internal work, and then it's like, how do we create community? so that we can get the support we need and so that we can give the support that other women need. And that's a huge, huge, huge question, but I'm working on it, you know, in small ways. So I would say that's another way you can do it. Mm -hmm. So when you're in the bath, you're just like laying there with your eyes closed. <laughs> you're funny. Yeah. So yeah, like that's what I'm saying though. It's like your own personal ceremony. Like when oh, you yeah. actually drop in and let go of the mind, get down into your womb, you're like on a journey. You're on a trip. You can receive yeah, so weird, much information some, like, and wisdom. That it's like boring. Yeah. That's yeah. That's that's a that's a common story, you know? Yeah. But that's because you're used to like a fast paced rhythm. Totally. totally. And oh, one other thing that I think is so important that I just want to touch on briefly is this can motivate women. So women often get stuck in the productivity thing of like, well, I got to be productive or all the things that you said, the stories that go along with it, the guilt or the shame or the whatever. And when I realize that if I orient my life to my cycle, it means that I'm like super on for two weeks usually and like pretty pulled back for half the cycle. But during those two, I am on and I am productive. And so I'm actually more productive than I am when I'm trying to be productive every single day and fit my circle into the square box, mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like that's a real motivating factor for women too, because what happens when you drop into that delicious Delta womb space, if you give yourself that time when you're menstruating, it's like such fertile ground for those beginning of the seeds to start sprouting for your next cycle. And so you receive the instructions for your next cycle, you know, and then you're on, and then you're like, Okay, yeah. how can I harness this energy up until hence the spiritual practice, right? Like the exactly. discipline to drop in and get quiet with that and receive those messages to bring mm -hmm. forth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I used to do that. <laughs> but I stopped just somewhere along the way. I mean, I guess it's from having a kid. Even know. if you give yourself one day, like that's okay. usually my role is day one. Me too. 
or the pick your day that feels the heaviest for you sometimes for when it's day two um you know when it's like i'm really fully bleeding so it's like pick that one day and really schedule it into your calendar yeah yeah i fantasized about like sitting on a bale of hay here while i'm still working and just like bleeding onto the hay but like still working Uh, all right let's let's circle back to this incredible program that you two are creating for us for the women of this world um yeah so what is the blood mystery school tell us what what wants to be shared about it i'm so excited really it is going to be truly the most incredible collaboration i think between you Kristen, and i um we have very unique and different things to offer that is going to create just this very holistic map for women to help them to walk through these different phases of their cycle to learn all about, like you said, the sacred and the science of it. And so how does that, um, yeah, play out in your everyday life where you may be having struggles, like maybe some women who are going to take the course are going to come with hormonal issues that they want resolved. Um, Maybe some women come for the spiritual access, um, for the spiritual information, you know, but we're going to cover really all of it. And so what I feel so excited about is that it just feels like the most comprehensive offering on the menstrual cycle because it's going to have those spiritual components too that often aren't talked about i just think it's going to be an incredible journey for women of healing as well to learn information but also to go through this process of remembering and reigniting reclaiming um you're going to have opportunity to really sit in a lot of different like ceremonial kind of spaces as well to integrate the information and it is a really exciting thing because we're what we're going to be doing is imparting all of this knowledge and, and information and wisdom, but also helping all of the women who are taking the course to then take it out into the world. So to bring it into their women's circles or bring it into maybe the the teachings, the the things that they're already doing within their work, like you know maybe they're already a birth worker, but they want to add this to their career in that way and so we'll be teaching on how to lead this stuff in person or you know to women and girls both so i've led a lot of stuff for coming of age girls so i'll be teaching on um how to do that how to format your circles because it's a very different thing to teach to women and then to teach to girls so our idea with this is that you learn all you can learn you embody it you practice it over a period of four months you receive mentorship from the both of us you sit in circle with like-minded women and then once you're ready to bring it out in the world you also have those tools to be the teacher that you are the leader that you are in your community yeah and i can just add sort of what i'll be bringing to the container for us. And that is really focused on your own hormonal physiology, understanding your hormones outside of the lens of pathology and outside of the lens of sort of use hormonal birth control to mask any symptoms or, um, yeah, just really getting clear on the hormonal matrix and also being able to recognize and identify if there's an issue that you're having and learn how to work with that. So I'll be teaching herbs to use throughout various phases of the cycle. I'll be teaching about um, lifestyle like support and also diet and how that supports different phases of the cycle and different hormonal matrixes. Um, and what, what I'm weaving in is like bringing in sort of this ancient wisdom from Chinese medicine, because I think it really helps women to reorient completely outside of the Western paradigm, right? It's like, there's this other energetic way to understand the cycle and it just deepens your awareness and allows you to move through issues in a little bit different context. So I'm really focused on helping you. So helping each woman that joins to transform their relationship to their cycle and really start to understand how to work with any challenges that are present and being able to teach that and like 
see, start to recognize potential um, hormonal challenges with other women you work with, or when you're leading circles and be like a wise woman for your community. So you, so we don't have to be outsourcing our power all the time to professionals, doctors, um, you know, other things that long-term might not be that useful. Awesome. Beautiful. The blood mystery school. So epic. It's going to be so amazing. It's coming along so beautifully and it's going to go live and the school is going to start in February. Yeah. It's a 16 week program. It's live. There's passive content. There's live classes. There's two classes a week. There's workshops. There's just so much. So it's going to change your life. If you take it, I hope you do. Um, I'm excited to take it. And yeah, just thank you so much. I know that you're both deep wells of wisdom and we barely scratched the surface here. And for those of the women that will travel with you through this school, um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. They're really in for a treat. Thank you. Thanks so excited. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching. Learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honoured. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralysing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts. Keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back.